appreciate God's goodness, His grace, and His mercy, and I appreciate Him letting us know that He's here, amen. And I know we're not saved by feelings, but it's good when He passed by and let you know that He's here. Has something on the inside, if you've ever been born again by the good grace of God, that let you know some things. And uh, He'll lead you into all truth, and I appreciate the Spirit of the Lord. Uh, Mark chapter 6 tonight, uh, this morning, if you'll turn with us there, we're going to read a handful of verses starting in verse, uh, probably about verse 45. Uh, if you don't mind, you pray for Miss Lena. She just has left. Uh, some of you know she had some stents put in uh, last week, and she's beginning to sweat and beginning to have some arm trouble. Uh, so you pray for her this morning as uh, they go leave and go back home to see if everything kind of uh, gets under control with that. So please keep them in your prayers. Uh, that's the reason they stepped out the back door. So please uh, think about her through the service also. But Mark chapter 6, verse 45, and I- I'm going to tell you how I come across these verses of Scripture. I didn't intend, I did not intend to be here this morning, just to be honest with you. And I was studying yesterday, I had several thoughts on some things, and I was looking at several areas about praising the Lord, and how, what a blessing He's been, and about who Jesus Christ is. And I was looking at that, and then was studying in some areas of the Holy Spirit, how uh, that, you know, he, how he, uh, he delivers you, He indwells you, and just several things about the Spirit of God. And, but first and foremost, He draws you before He can ever deliver you or indwell you. And we was looking at all these things, and I really honestly thought I was going uh, to uh, talking about praising the Lord. And yesterday, I opened my Bible, I pulled this one out, and I've been reading. I got several King James Bibles that I pull out and read and go back and forth to, and I just like what some have to offer as far as, uh, like this one's a wide margin. But most of you probably can't even hardly see the typing in it. And uh, I'm 40 years old, but God's blessed me with some good eyesight. And this has very small writing in it and very small, uh, you can't hardly read this and I have to look at it real hard but I, I've been using it again for about the last week because I like the margins in it because I can write things down when God speaks to my heart. And yesterday, I'm not, I'll be honest with you, I'm not one of them preachers that sticks his thumbs in the Bible and opens it up and say, God, give me a message. I don't believe that. I believe a man's supposed to Study himself approved to show study to make show himself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Now, so yesterday when I was studying, uh, I opened it up and I had a handkerchief here in this spot. And oftentimes when I'm reading, I'll stick a piece of paper or a handkerchief in something that I want to come back and read a little bit later. And when I opened it up and I had this handkerchief here, I had two, uh, three words underlined in verse fifty. It says, "It is I." And yesterday when I opened my Bible and I seen those ink pen marks there, I went to that and it says, It is I. And I began to think about the Lord in the midst of the storm. And I'm honestly not led this way to preach this morning because we're going through a storm, I promise you. And when I began to read these verses of Scripture, God began to show me some things and began to bless my heart yesterday. And like I said, I'm not one of them just sticky thumbs in a Bible and say, Lord, give me a message. I don't believe that way. I was already studying and looking at some things when we come back across these verses. But in, in verse 45, if you'll read with us in Mark chapter 6, it says, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before uh, unto Bethesda, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And I want you to get a picture of what's going on here. Jesus Christ has sent a multitude away, and we'll talk more about that here in just a minute. Uh, Jesus has gone up into a mountain to pray. He sent his disciples out on a little ship in the midst of a sea. Now, I want you to get the picture of what's happening. And when he sent them out, I, I, man, I'd already be nervous about going out on a ship, amen? 
And because I don't like water. We went kayaking the other day. They'll tell you, man, I don't like water. I didn't want to get out. We went tubing one time, and uh, my wife, I made her get out to see how deep the water was. When she got out of the tube, it was knee-deep. And I said, okay, I can get out now. Amen. Uh, but I can imagine the fear that I would already have uh, just going out into this sea. But he constrained them to go out into the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And verse 48 and he saw them tolling and rowing, for in the uh, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking on the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. For they, uh, for they all saw him, and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them, and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And he went uh, up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. There's a lot going on in these verses of Scripture here this morning. But as I begin to get some thoughts here yesterday and begin to uh, think about the storm and uh, think about things going on in life right now, you know, uh, people prepare for everything. Uh, they prepare for uh, getting ready to uh, maybe a family reunion. They might prepare to get ready to go to some type of sporting event. Uh, they might be pre getting prepared to go to work. And all these things that we make preparation for each and every day in our life. But yet some of the most important things that we should be making preparations for, it seems like we push it to the side. One of the first things we need to make preparation for is what they sung a little while ago. And that's for that midnight cry. One of these days the Lord is going to step out on a cloud. He's going to call His children home. And those that are not been saved and born again by the good grace of God are going to be left behind. I tell you, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I want to tell you it's going to be a sad thing for a godly husband that loved God to roll over, uh, not to not him to roll over, but for his wife to roll over and feel for a husband in the bed that morning. He's not going to be there. And vice versa, that godly wife that served and loved the Lord and was saved by God's amazing grace, that husband get up to get ready to go to work that morning and his wife's not there. And he's going through the house trying to find her or maybe a child that was saved by God's amazing grace. And uh, you know, they went on home to be with the Lord might have got saved through a bus ministry or something like that and the parents continue to reject the gospel and friend and parents get up looking for their children I can't think of anything worse than that or on the other side some children may try to call their parents and they're not answering the phone and they get concerned and worried about them we need to make preparations for the coming of the Lord because I'll be honest with you I believe it's got to be at hand and you say well I've heard that all my life well it's worse now than it ever has been amen and so we got to be prepared for that midnight cry whenever he cries out. You read the Bible and the Bible says it'll be two in the field one will be left and the other taken two in the bed one will be taken and the other left and one, uh, two in the meal grinding one will be taken and one will be left. Friend I want to tell you this is a serious thing that we need to make preparation for. We need to make sure that we're ready for the coming of the Lord. I uh, used two years ago, uh, we used to witness to people, and you've heard me say this a thousand times, I used to say, are you prepared to die? I'd walk up sometimes to someone that I didn't even know. I said, are you ready to die? And they kind of give you that weird look like you're getting ready to kill them or something. Amen. That's not a good way to witness in our day and hour we live in, is it? But after I got saved and began to study the Bible, I realized that we must be ready for the coming of the Lord. And if we're ready for that, we're going to be ready for anything. Amen. But something else that we've got to make preparation for is the storms that's in our life. The storms that are in our life. 
It's amazing to me that people do not want anything to do with God or Jesus Christ until a major disaster comes through. I think back to this past week on 9-11, we understand that our country has seen something it never had seen before. And I've seen interviews, they was interviewing people and saying, where was you at? And you know, what was going on whenever this happened? I remember exactly where I was at. I was a lost man walking through the living room of our uh, single-wide mobile home. Uh, Just a young child, uh, my boy, just a young baby at that time. And I walked by the TV and they were showing a plane hitting the World Trade Center. And I thought it was some kind of mid-evening soap opera just to be honest about it and then I go back and look and it's talking about breaking news and one's hit there one's hit the Pentagon and one's went down somewhere else it absolutely blowed my mind and I'm telling you as a lost man it got me concerned about what was going on and I remember somebody I wasn't saved then I remember some of the pastors talking about how folks called and wanted the doors of the church open so they could come in and out and pray and not have to worry about the door of the church being locked and boy they said it lasted all of about a week You know what happens? Their storm was done and over with because it didn't really impact them as it did some of the others that lost their loved ones in that. Some of the 3,000 that died, all it was, they were scared it's getting ready to impact their life. And for about a week, that's all they worried about. But when they seen everything was all right, guess what? Back to the same old thing. You know, we ought to have the doors on the church open all the time for people coming in and out praying. Amen? You don't get that question asked unless it's something major or something bad going on. And I'm not trying to make light of the storm that's happening now. I tell you, we need to be praying for folks. We need to be asking uh, God to help. People's lost their lives. People's lost their homes. And uh, folks don't know what they're going to do. And we need to be praying for them. But it's amazing to me when a major thing happens, even the news people and uh, the world will say, Hey, we need to be praying. Well, why ain't they praying all the time for things going on? Why ain't they praying for that family that lost a child to drug addiction? Why ain't they praying for that family that a drunk driver hit their family head on and lost their family? Why ain't they praying for that uh, that mom that, uh, you know, uh, there's over here wanting where her husband's at? And why ain't they praying for all these children that don't have a mom and dad in their life? Why ain't they praying for the school system that's in a mess? Why ain't they praying for the ones that's in the jail? Why ain't they praying for those that don't know the Lord? We just want to pray and seek God when something major happens. Amen. We need to make preparations in our life for the coming of the Lord, but not only that, after we get saved by God's amazing grace, we need to get ready for the storms that's coming our way. Well, I'll tell you what, they had knockout dragouts at Walmart, amen. It's two times you don't need to go to Walmart. One on's Black Friday. I ain't never seen nothing like that. I went one time with my wife, and I, did, I wanted to see what all the hype was about, and I got in there. I, I don't like going to Walmart no way. I got in there and I seen the crowd. I wound up finding me a place to sit down there on a shoe aisle where I could watch everybody. And they broke them CD, DVDs out. And I was sitting there, man, they tore them open. They were slinging DVDs everywhere. I'm like, good night, man. I, I wouldn't risk getting hit one of them things for it. Amen. That was my first and last time going to Walmart. And don't go to Walmart when they cry and get all the water you can because there ain't going to be none left. We're living in a generation they think the only place to get water at nowadays out of a bottle from Walmart. What's wrong with cutting the sink on, filling the jug up? I don't understand the generation we're living in. Amen. My grandpa told me, he said, I never thought that I'd see a time to where they bottle water and sell it. And now they're fighting at Walmart over it. Amen. But we was making preparations for what was coming, right? 
I'm talking about a world that don't know God is making preparations for a storm that's coming. And of course, I made a few preparations. I sent my wife, and she was going to uh, Walmart or some grocery store or something. She'd come back with a case of water and some food, and I was looking at the food, and I said, we supposed to make it on that? Uh, and she said, no, that's snacks for the kids for school. I said, what are we supposed to eat? Amen. <laughs> That's the honest truth, ain't it, honey? I mean, brought some packs of Pringles home and all that stuff. Man, I was thinking about laying in the house for about two or three weeks. Amen. But I went outside, you know, and I got my generator going. Hadn't been started in about two years. Listen to me now. That thing hadn't been started in about two years, and I wanted to make sure I had some power when the storm was coming. So I got out there, and I began. That thing wouldn't crank. And most people say start, but around here it's crank. Amen. You know, so that thing wouldn't crank up, and I began to look at it, and I began to pull some stuff off, and I began to clean some things, and I had to hit it with a little starter juice iron, and the next thing you know, it fired up, and guess what? I had some power, amen. You know what it do us well to get ready for a spiritual storm coming our way, and life storms that we go through each and every day? Go ahead and clean your power up, what I'm talking about. Get clean so you can have the power of God resting up on your life. Hey, so no matter what storm comes, whether it comes or whether it don't come, you'll be ready for it, amen. I didn't even need my generator, but I got power sitting under the shelter if I need him. It's sitting right there in reserve, uh, waiting to go if I need him. And as a child of God, we need to be at the same place with the Lord, and we need to make sure that we have a clean life. And he's got his hands up on us because I promise you this, a storm, if you're not in it right now, it's one coming your way. And if you're not in the midst of it, friend, you might be going out of one, but it's one thing about it. We're constantly going through storm after storm after storm after storm after storm. And I'd rather go through it with Jesus Christ in my life than to go through it alone. One thing about the storms, we don't know how severe they're going to be. They said this was going to be a bad one. It didn't turn out as bad for us as what they had anticipated. And I thank God for that. And what a blessing it is. We need to count our blessings and pray for those that wasn't as fortunate as we are. And it's another good thing about storms. They only last for a period of time. And then they're all said and done and they're over with. This storm's supposed to last for many days because it's moving very slow, but one thing about it, it will come to an end. I promise you right now, whatever storm you're going through, I don't know how strong or how powerful it is or what's going on with it, but I promise you that storm is going to end one of these days and it may end in glory for you. I have no idea, but if it does, it's going to be all said and done. Thank God you'll be a lot better off if you're saved and born again than you are standing back here and dealing with all the pain, sin, and sorrows of this old wicked world that we have to live in in this unglorified and this unregenerated flesh that we have. Friend, I want to tell you, storms are going to come to an end. They're coming to an end. But something else about a storm, we don't oftentimes realize this. A lot of times when a storm comes through, it washes all the filth out of your life. Well, should I say before we get to the life, you think about it on the riverbank, when it comes down, it washes all that trash down the river. And you go back over in about two weeks, you see a lot of things growing back and getting to be green and getting back to the way God created it. Amen. Sometimes storms come in our life in order that He can get some of the trash and filth out of our life so we can bloom and grow and be a blessing to others that are around us. It's many reasons for storms in our life. Uh, we see a storm of judgment and when it comes to the way of Noah. Uh, God had uh, bring judgment on them because people wouldn't get right with the Lord. And that's the reason that storm was there. We find Jonah running from the will of God. So God put a chastising storm in his life. But we find here in these verses of Scripture when the disciples are going through a storm, it was to help them deal with the fears that was in their life but not only that to build the faith that they needed to face the things they was going to face 
I don't know the reason for storms in everybody's life, but I do know some things about them, amen? As we look here in these verses of Scripture, the 5,000 had just been fed, not counting the women and children. And verse 47, and when evening was, uh, in verse 46, I'm sorry, when he had sent them away, he departed uh, into a mountain. So he's up there praying, and we find in verse 45, he, uh, the Bible says a straight way, he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side. That word constrain, it almost has a sense of kind of encouraging or almost to the sense of forcing that direction. So the disciples listen to this real quickly. The disciples are listening to exactly what Jesus told them to do. You know, you watch a lot of TV preaching. I, I, I got on there last night watching a lot of these false. Uh, a guy had done a study on these false, uh, false prophets on TV. And man, one of them, uh, Joel Osteen's wife said, Jesus Christ wasn't the Son of God. I don't know what Bible she's reading. She don't read out of one, evidently. But it was a lot of other things going on there. But I began to uh, look at some of those things there that was going on and these uh, things that was uh, uh, there that we were studying even last night. But we found here that even when you're in the midst of the will of God, it's not always going to be like some of these TV preachers preach it. A life of prosperity. A life of a walk in the park and a bed of roses. My friend, the disciples were right in the midst of the will of God and a storm come up in their life. And the Bible says that the, the wind was contrary to them. And do you know that's what a lot of storms will do to you if you don't watch? That word contrary means to push back with force. God's got a plan for each and every one of us in here. And if we don't watch, the storms in life will push us back with force to the place that we started at. And you don't want the storm to push you back further than you were or back to the place from where God is trying to get us to. Don't let the storm overwhelm, uh, overwhelm you because we find here in the verses of Scripture, Christ told them to get in a ship. They was listening. They was right in the midst of the will of God. And they, the wind and stuff was contrary to them. But look in verse 47. Christ is up in the mountain praying. And when evening was come, the ship was in the midst of that sea, he alone on the land, and he saw them towing, tolling and rowing. Now, when I, when I was studying this yesterday morning, he said he was probably a couple of miles away from where his disciples were at. But did you notice what the Scripture says? And he saw them. He's up in the mountain praying. He's a couple of miles away from his disciples, but yet he saw them. I don't know about you, but that blessed my heart yesterday when I read that. Because that means no matter where we're at, He's always got an eye on us. It's sort of like your children. Any of you got children, it makes you feel better when you got your eye on them, right? Because you know everything's alright. May I tell you, you already know that you can't keep your eye on your children all the time, can you? But we would very, we would very much like that, wouldn't we? I met Preston, got ready to get on that plane the other day. I was fine until he started towards your plane, and I, I be I got tore up. And I told my wife, I said, I'm glad I got my sunglasses on. I didn't want nobody to see me crying. Amen. And I told her, I said, I wish I'd went with him. She said, You didn't want to jump. I said, No, but I could have been there and had an eye on him and knew where everything was okay. And then after I seen the pictures from his point of view, I'm like, Yeah, I'm glad I didn't. Amen. But it makes us feel better when we get our eyes and we got our eyes on our children, but we are limited to that. But I want to tell you what, there's a God in heaven that is not limited to uh, being able to see us and see what we're going through and the troubles and trials that we're facing each and every day. He's seen exactly what was going on. And no doubt he was up there praying and, and probably even praying for them. And he's seen them towing and they see them rowing. And he's seen that the wind was contrary to them. And it was a very dark part of the night. 
May I tell you, no matter, child of God, where you're at in your storm, Jesus Christ has His eye on it for you. And I sure am glad He is. As it's been said before, He's the master of the storm. And I thank God for that. Amen. But as we look here, going on in verse 49. And it were verse 48, the latter part of it. And by night he come walking uh, under him, walking up on the sea and would have passed by. And when I read that yesterday, would have passed by them, it, it, it got my attention. And it wasn't that Jesus Christ was just going to keep walking, pass by them and leave them by themselves, but he wanted them to recognize him in the middle of the storm. You know a lot of times what's going on in our life when we're in the midst of the storm, all we can see is the storm. We can't see anything else outside of our problems, our troubles, our trials, and the things that we're going through at that point in time. And we have trouble seeing Jesus Christ in the midst of that storm. We can't see the goodness that He might be trying to work out of whatever we're going through for His honor, for His glory. But that's the reason He's there. That's the reason He was was passing by that boat there. He wanted them to recognize them in the midst of what they was going through. Church, I want us to recognize Jesus Christ when we're going through troubles and trials and we're going through storms. We need to recognize Him uh, there. He's walking on the very water and the very storm that the disciples are scared of. He's got it underfoot. And what that means, He's got it under control. Amen. As we look at these verses of Scripture, He was getting ready. He was walking past uh, by them or getting ready to pass by the boat because He wanted them to recognize who He was. Now look at verse 49. But when they saw Him walking up on the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. I find some very interesting things with that verse of Scripture there. First and foremost, they just seen Jesus Christ feed over 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. On this boat is fishermen that no doubt has been through and weathered many storms as they were fishermen. And you know, that's the way we are. Sometimes we go through things and we see God work, but then when we get in the midst of another storm, we forget what God's already done before. And we get scared and we get worried. And uh, Brother Jesse, you're talking about how God blessed y'all with, with your rent money. And I've seen God do that many, many times before. And then next thing you know, finances get a little low and you forgot about, hey, He's done fed you and clothed you and paid for your house payment, your rent, and all this, that, and the other. And He's done brought you through that place, but you get to another place just like that. We tend to limit God and I think, well, He ain't going to do it again. And we're looking at our circumstances trying to figure out how we can fix them, Amen when we just need to see Christ in the midst of that storm. But he thought it was a spirit. They didn't even recognize him. They cried out. And if you look at the some of the thoughts that would go on in this time period, a lot of folks at this time period thought that if you died at sea, that's where your spirit stayed at. So I don't know if that's what they're thinking or not. But anyway, they thought they'd seen a ghost. I don't know about you, but that, that scared me if I thought I'd seen a ghost. Amen. <laughs> I don't know about that. We're getting up on that time of year where people's talking a whole lot about that, but I ain't got no desire to see one. Amen. You say, what do you think you are? I think most ghosts are probably demons, demonic activity, but that's another story from another time. Amen. But we look here in verse 50. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. I'm glad we can recognize him once he goes to speaking. It is I. And Jesus Christ, He had many I am's in the Bible. He said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. He had many I am the true vine. Jesus Christ was the I am, and He is the I am. He wasn't was. He is the I am. And so in the midst of the storm, He wanted to, them to recognize who He was, and He said, It is I, the one you've been walking with, and the one that you just seen feed the 5,000, not counting the women and children, and you didn't even think that could be done, and now I'm here in the midst of your storm, and you're going to have to trust me. That's why Christ is here. And then in verse... Uh, uh, verse 51, 
And he went unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were so amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered. Now Matthew records, this is the same account that Matthew records to where Peter asked if he could come to him on the water. And of course Christ bid Peter, he says, you can come to me on the water. And when Peter stepped out of the boat, don't criticize Peter. Because I'm going to be honest, he had a lot more faith than what I got. He asked, he said, can I come to you? And Christ says, come to me. And when he stepped out on that water, as long as he was looking at Jesus, everything was all right. But immediately when he took his eyes off of Jesus, the Bible says immediately began to sink. And he cried out and says, Lord, save me. He cried out three words. You know what the Bible says? You can go over in Matthew, I forget, I think it might be 16. I can't remember. I got it wrote down up there. When he cried those three words out, Lord, save me, the Bible says immediately he stretched forth his hand. The Lord's not going to let you drown in your storm if you keep your eyes on him. The Lord's not going to let that wind be contrary to you and boisterous to you and push you back further than you was than when you was trying to get to where God wanted you to be. So we find these verses of Scripture here. They, what they mean to us by the way of a spiritual application, no matter where we're at as a child of God, Christ is with us. He may seem far away, but yet He's still got His eye on us. And in the midst, in the darkest time of our life, and in the heat of that storm or in the heat of the battle, He's going to come right on time. And He's always right on time. Amen. So He shows up here, and the wind ceases when He stops on that ship, and the storm is over. And now they're sitting back much like you and I do after God shows up. They were so amazed in themselves beyond measure and was wondering. They just had one of them mouth-dropping experiences with Jesus Christ. My friend, I want to tell you this morning when the storms are coming, if we keep eyes on Him, He's not far away. He's going to show up right on time. And all we need to do is Peter done when we think the storm's overwhelming us. Lord, save me. And Lord, help me. And, or if you even cry out, sometimes we get to the place to where we don't know what to pray. And all we can cry out is, my God, my God. And I want to tell you what, according to the Bible, the Spirit intercedes for us when we don't even know what to pray. God already knows. Amen. And so we see in verse 52, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves. They had forgotten what God just had done for them. Don't never forget what God's done for you. But that's, we're still just like that today. I remember we was working up at the building up at True Light. And, all, and most of you know how God's been a blessing, how God does this, how God does that. And I was having one of them days to where I was trying to figure some things out myself. And I spent the day trying to figure it out myself. But you know what I had to do? I said, say, Lord, I don't know what to do. And then God started showing up. Right on time, when I done exhausted all measure that I had within myself. And you know, that's where these disciples had to realize, we don't have no ability whatsoever, no power over this storm. And you guys don't either. I don't, but Christ does. If we'll keep our eyes on Him this morning and keep watching. But then it said there that they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their hearts were hardened. These were His, was his disciples. They had a hard heart towards the working of the Lord. You know, sometimes we've been in church so long, been walking with Jesus for so long, that our hearts will get hard along the way. And the storm, I promise you, the storm's not there to harden your heart. It's there to heal your heart, to help you. And I don't like them. I'll be honest. I'll tell you what the devil told me this morning. He said, go ahead and preach on that this morning. He said, I'll send the storm your way. That's what I dealt with this morning and battled with. 
Don't you go over there and tell them everything will be all right in the storm. I'm sending one your way. I thought about that for a little while. You know what I told him? I said, you can't send nothing. You ain't the master of the storm. Amen. And if God wants me to go through a storm, He's the one that allow it. And yeah, sure, you might rear your ugly head up in it, but I want to tell you what, uh, He's going to put your head on His heel one of these days. He's going to ring His heel right on your head and mash that thing real good for you. Amen. Uh, so when the devil comes by your way and try to feed you a bunch of lies, just tell him you know the master of the storm, everything's going to be all right. He's got his eyes on you, and he's going to show up when he needs to show up and to deliver you from that this morning. Amen. Amen. Boy, I tell you, we need to be preparing for the storm because I promise you, if you're not in one right now, you're headed for one. And if you just come out of one, that means you're headed for the next storm. And life is storm after storm after storm. But God gives the grace to face those storms in life. Amen. I was going to try to sing a little bit this morning. No, I don't think so. I had some singers show up, and I asked them to help us with it this morning. If they don't mind, come on up. I ain't blessed to be one of them singing preachers. But I, I began to think about this song early this morning. And a black fellow named Charles wrote this, pinned this down in 1905. And if you don't mind, I just want everybody to stand all over church. You don't, you, if you can sing along with it, it would be great. But page 149 this morning, stand by me. Stand by me.